This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Welcome to Humans of Gaming. I'm Drew Dixon. I am your host of this here podcast. Uh, I'm joined with Chris Gwaltney. Hey, Chris. Yo, I'm Chris. I'm the chief executive nerd for Love Thy Nerd. And no. Drew does stuff too. Yeah, I'm the chief content nerd. I didn't get my title. I don't think anybody really knows what that means, so it's fine. Um, well, you might be surprised. So if you heard chief content nerd, what would you assume, James? Oh, hi. (laughs) James Hudson is our special. I'm killing this intro. James Hudson is our special guest. What 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 would, if you hear that title, what do you, what would that come to mind? I would assume sit around and make up stuff. Yeah. That's basically true. That's not far from the truth. Yeah. That's basically accurate. So, James, uh, yeah, you've done a lot of work in the games industry, but you're with Skybound now. Give us kind of like, how do you present, like somebody asks you, what do you do? In the games industry, how do you frame that? Chief board game making nerd. Oh, we. <laughs> no, I, I pretty much just make board games. You know, I'm um, at the heart of it. I'm I'm a I'm a creative, and I, there's lots of different uh, venues of content that I love to create. Board games is definitely one of the big ones. I love making content for YouTube. Like we're working, we're filming some shows right now. I love doing podcasts. Uh, pretty much if I'm making things, I'm a happy camper. So, uh, I also suck real hard at detail oriented type stuff. So I'm more of the, <laughs> yeah. the 30,000 foot, like, let me cast my vision. Man. My man. But yeah. When we get into like spreadsheets and like detail stuff, I'm like, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Out. Same here. That. Same here. Uh, though I, I super appreciate like the people that are really good at that. Like, oh, those people yes. are amazingly wonderful. Um, April Lynn, who works for Lovely Nerd, is, is kind of wired that way a little bit. And man, I don't think we could do this at all without her. So, That's my wife. Shout out to hey, April Lynn. We need Your him. wife, yeah. She's super uh, on top of things, seems like. Yeah, I can see where if you, if you, Especially in a relationship, you get a, uh, a husband, wife, whatever combo that's together, and they're both 30,000 feet in the cloud or both yeah. detail oriented. I mean, come on, you got to have a compliment going on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is, you're married, right? So, what is your dynamic with she's your definitely She's definitely more detail oriented than me. That is for sure. Um, I wouldn't say she's like one hundo in that, in that range, but she's mm, definitely, yeah. she definitely handles the details for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, what is your official title with Skybound? I am Senior Director of Tabletop Games. Nerd. Senior Director of Tabletop Games. So yeah. basically, basically a massive nerd is what that yeah. means. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's funny here because there's there's like eight divisions and board games is like the new redheaded stepchild here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do film, comic books, video games. There, There's a, a lane for almost anything when it comes to entertainment. Uh, and so board games, like they did, they did, they started with super fight back in the day they picked that up from Jack Dyer mm-hmm. and ran with it when it exploded around the time that cars against humanity did its thing. And, uh, yeah. they rode that wave for a while. And then they, we, we co-published Grim Forest together. We did uh, three co-publishes together and then they said, let's, let's just marry up and make this. Let's thing. get it on. I remember yeah. seeing super fight at this tiny little convention here in Ventura, like mm-hmm. years ago. And they were running around. They went to like every exhibitor and just gave away copies of the game. And yep. that was, I don't know how long ago that was, five years ago or something. That was before my time. Yeah. <laughs> so you were with Druid City and then Skybound essentially like acquired Druid City. Is that how that worked? or? I, you know, businessy things are complicated, but like I started Druid Cities uh, games. It's still mine and it's still its own entity. Uh, It is just under the umbrella. It is, some would call it like a publishing house for Skybound now. I gotcha. Very cool. So you started Druid City. Yeah. Me and three of my friends, we we were like, hey, let's make games. This sounds like a, (laughs) let's do the thing. Yeah. How long ago was that? 
Yeah, that was uh, in 2015. Okay. So, so pretty, like, still pretty new, but you obviously, like, got the attention of Skybound, which, like, I guess we should frame for our listeners um, what Skybound, because you said, you know, movies, video games, like, what are some things people might know of that Skybound has done? So the, the big thing that people will know Skybound for, it's it's Robert Kirkman's company, the creator of The Walking Dead. And so the the, the elevator pitch <laughs> the elevator pitch of why Skybound, Skybound exists is it was a long, treacherous road for Robert to get um, The Walking Dead on TV. Mm-hmm. It took him almost 10 years to get that first pilot episode into AMC. And it was it, it was more complicated than it should have been. And so he came out of this with a hunger and desire to help other creators get the content that they're passionate about into mass media in a much more simple and, and straightforward fashion as opposed to the Hollywood BS that he had to jump around mm-hmm. through. So yeah, that's where Skybound uh, was birthed from. That's cool. So what did what was your first like first board games with Druid City? My very first game was Barnyard Roundup. Uh, I was, I wanted to do a game just like pretty much like everybody that you hear now, who's like, I got a game idea uh, at board game night. Right. (laughs) I was that guy. (laughs) And it was, it, for me, it was spawned out of, I was, my son was four ish at the time. Couldn't read. And he was learning like barnyard animal sounds and stuff. Exactly. But he was also making me play shoots and ladders in Candyland, Which is funny. Like, why do we, why are we so concerned that our kids know? Like, I mean, we're pretty like industrialized society now. Why are we so concerned (laughs) that our kids know like barnyard animals? But we all are. We're like, make sure they know what a cow says. Anyway, yeah, because sorry. it's easy, maybe, you know? I don't know. <laughs> it's fun. I mean, I participate. I'm all in on that. I want my kids to You're know. You're part of the problem, Drew. What a duck says. Way to go. Yeah, sure. Anyway, so you were, you were, your kid was four. Your son? Yeah, my son, my son uh, at the time was four and I couldn't, I couldn't take any more shoots and ladders. So (laughs) I was like, uh, I got a game idea. I drew it up on some cards and then it just kept going. And then my three friends who all came around, we, we spent a year, you know, play testing and learning, doing on the job training. Uh, I've always been that kind of personality. I'll learn a new thing and just like be absorbed by it. Like I did photography for a while and just, you know, was doing weddings within a year and that sort of thing. I've always had that kind of obsessive personality when it comes to that. So, but board games is like one of the the main things that as soon as I like latched onto that, I've I have haven't let go and I haven't lost the fervor to let go. Yeah. Yet. So I can totally identify with the whole obsessive personality thing. <laughs> I have that problem all the time. Like, um, I think that's a nerd trait maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I decided about a year ago that I really liked, or I played like my first Dark Souls type game, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Dark Souls, Blood- I played Bloodborne first. And then I was like, oh, I have to play all of these and understand them all. And uh, I recently took up mountain biking and it's like, I have to ride every trail in the middle Tennessee area and I have to understand how everything works. <laughs> um, and I kind of obsess over it. Yeah. Um, like it can be a really good trait, but. I get fresh. Do you get frustrated with that trait of yourself sometimes? You know, I did it. I did it first because I, I, I think we misunderstand it a bit. I think we look at it as we fail when we don't continue to do something. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, I've just learned that, that I, I like to coin this our organic passion and it's a wave that you can't like, you can't manufacture it. So when you get that organic passion about a subject that you're just, you're pulled toward, you're drawn in. Uh, yeah. in, my, in my case, it was World of Warcraft that ruined half my life or a third <laughs> of my life. Uh, yeah. it, it grabbed onto me and didn't let go for mm-hmm. uh, eight, nine years. Um, it, it's a thing that you actually can use now as you get older and you just learn how to put good framework around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like in this case, it gave me a new career. Um, yeah. For you, mountain biking may turn into a career. Who knows? Ooh, you can do it, Drew. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> that is not happening. <laughs> but I think it's almost like a natural season of your life, right? Like if it comes yeah. and goes, then it was just something that was, it was a phase. It was a season, but yeah. eventually you're probably going to find one that stays. Yeah. Maybe it's just it's your stay- midlife crisis. Well, that's, yeah, that's how I've been framing it. Cause I turned <laughs> uh 36 this year. And so um, I feel like it's a pretty healthy midlife crisis compared sure, to like yeah. a lot of things that could be getting into. Right. Um, we've talked about this on this podcast before, so I don't want to belabor it, but, um, I think that's an interesting point though, James, like there, I think in our youth, you know, we don't have maybe some of those 
healthy boundaries and ways of thinking about things. And so we're just kind of these really, well, I for sure was just very impulsive and was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. Uh, but I think as you get older and you learn things the hard way, um, you're able to put some of those boundaries in place and, and channel those energies and passions in a more healthy way and in a more like productive way, you know, is that kind of what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, for sure. I think it, it's, it's also ties into our credit card society. So when we're young and dumb, Ooh, yeah. you know, we get that credit card and you get passionate about free a hobby. money. You just go, you go hog wild, right? You, you, go, you buy a bunch of stuff. And I think that ties into part of our disappointment when we lose that organic passion. You look at this thousands of dollars of equipment of mountain biking stuff, or I look at all my camera gear and I go, I'm not using that now because I'm not mm -hmm. passionate about doing it anymore. And then we have all this regret, which is layered on, even though we've moved on. So, and I think what happens as we get older, A, we get more responsible with our money and B, we don't have as much time to invest in those hobbies, even if we do get passionate about something. Yeah. Uh, so it, we, we kind of start to self limit whether we want to or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So was, do, would you say you were, had that like organic passion for board games before, oh, yeah. but like way before you started Druid city? No, absolutely not. So, um, Great. And I should have let you finish the question before I started answering it. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I was still a Warcraft nerd and still in my Warcraft hole. And one of the people that I raid with in town was like, hey, uh, we do a board game night. Would you want to come over and play oh, board nice. games on Tuesday? And I was like, that sounds awful. Why the hell would I want to do that? <laughs> uh, I don't want to yeah. play Monopoly. Uh, I need to grind my mats for the raid next get week. It. Get out of my face. And uh, he was like, no, 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 we, we don't play Monopoly. We play games that are more fun than that. And then plus he was just like, hey, we drink beer too. And I was like, cool, I'm there. <laughs> there you uh, go. And we went in and we played Power Grid and I never looked back. Like I played Power Grid and I saw like there was actual real options and agency yeah. and my choices. And then I was like, well, what other games are like this? And then that just that spiraled, spiraled. And when was that? Like what year was that? That was 2015. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, so it, it was right then. Yeah, spin it up quickly. Yeah. And that's kind of like, well, I don't know, at least from my perspective, that's when things were really like taking off board game wise. I mean, obviously there's stuff that's been around for longer than that, but that's when I started getting really mm -hmm. into it and, you know, Scythe and yep. all these things coming out. Like I still remember being at that Gen Con when Scythe came out and like every other person that walked by was carrying that giant box of Scythe. And blood like, rage oh man yeah yeah give me all the blood rage yeah that was <laughs> one of those first games that i was like really introduced me to kickstarter and then i was like oh god look yeah. at all these miniatures <laughs> oh. yeah my life's yeah. ruined <laughs> and you are uh like you back tons of things like on kickstarter nowadays right i always see you I, on facebook backing talking about what you're backing on kickstarter and stuff yeah, I do. I, it's it's a it's a double edged situation. A, I really I want to keep my ear to the ground and know everything that's going on in the in the lane that I spend the majority of my time with my business. Sure. Um, and then also, I, I just really love supporting other creators. So now that I have a bullhorn, I want to use it to help as many people as I can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. So, um, what like what are tell us some of the things you've done with our well you already mentioned like grim forest and stuff what are some of the things you've done with um with druid city and with skybound that you're really proud of yeah i mean grim forest is is our biggest hit to date right and it the whole point of that was i wanted to make a game that was a gateway game that was it was fun to play but visually compelling i, mm -hmm. I wanted right. people to walk by and see that on the table and go <gasps> what is that? I want to play whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we killed that. I think that's what we, we set out to do that. And I think that's what we accomplished. And like right now we're, we've been up this year, we've been up for awards for artwork and production uh, and, and family game. Those are kind mm -hmm. of three categories that it's won awards in. And so, you know, that was what we accomplished. Now we're doing things like that. I'm super proud of title blades. Here's the reef. Mm -hmm. We really wanted to set out and make a new world, like a cornerstone IP world that people would just gravitate toward. And uh, I feel like we've done that. Obviously the game's not out yet, but uh, I've got, we've got offers coming in for animated series and video games and people oh, have wow. just, just seen the world and they're like, yes, more give. So that's cool. 
Very cool. For me, that's like huge. Like uh, that whole going back to the creator aspect from earlier. Like I don't get more fulfillment than those type of. Yeah. Things, I mean, right? what a like vote of confidence there for sure. And there's things that I've created that I was super proud of that didn't hit. And you're just like, Oh, dang. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't consider myself uh, like an artist. Like, I think there's people that have that thing inside of them. They just need to create. I mean, that's what you've said. And I think that's you. Um, I would imagine maybe you can speak to this, like having another artist or another creator, like you said, these offers coming in about title blades, like that has to be maybe the highest praise, you know, like other artists Mm -hmm. that look at the thing that you've helped create and say, yeah, like I want a part of that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's tough too. Cause also I, I can't draw, right? Like I can mm-hmm. draw some stick figures. I don't have any sort of necessary, like it, most people in board games can do one of those things. They're either a graphic designer or an artist or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it helps. It helps a lot because there's not a lot of money in board game industry. So if you can, if there's one of those things that you don't have to pay for out of your pocket, that's real helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's, it's weird, but that's another thing that I also want to tell people is like, you can still be in this business. You can still be in creating content and creating things without have to, you know, having the standard, uh, drawing. Oh, I can't draw. So it doesn't matter. Or sing, I can't sing, whatever. Yeah. I definitely can't sing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's, but it is, it is interesting collaborating because that's a different skill set. And I do think that's one of the things that I excel at is, is bringing people together, setting mm-hmm. vision, and then getting everybody on the boat moving in the same direction. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So, um, let's, uh, let's get a little bit more personal. Where'd you grow up? Alabama. Oh, <laughs> couldn't have guessed. <laughs> Roll Tide. <laughs> yeah. Big, uh, Are you contractually you- obligated to say that. I lived two miles from the stadium when I moved to LA. It's been one of the biggest heartaches of my life Ooh. to live here in the fall. Mm. Uh, when, you know, SEC football, I used to jog every morning to watch people uh, setting up on the quad for the, for the games that day. Oh man, I missed that so much. Yeah. I lived in Alabama for five years and that was probably one of the like things that people can't just can't like, you hear about the obsession that people have with like Alabama football and with Auburn football for that matter. Mm -hmm. Um, but and you're always like, oh, yeah, whatever. All fans are crazy and all fans are like passionate. Um, but it's another level, man. Like, it is it's because there's nothing else to do like, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, that's a big part of it for sure. So you grew up in Tuscaloosa then. Is that what you that's said? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And what was that like? Oh, I mean, it was, well, A, it was the only thing I ever knew, but B, right. it was, uh, it, Tuscaloosa is a college town. You know, it's a, uh, it's a, I think like the fifth largest city in Alabama, which doesn't really say much compared to like yeah. one of our neighborhoods here in LA is bigger than the the population of Tuscaloosa. Right. Um, but it's a university town. So everything revolved around the university, everything revolved around college football. So that was, mm-hmm. that was, that was kind of built in. Um, you know, I grew up in a, a tiny little, I grew up on a farm up in the North part of the County and went to a tiny little high school. And then, yeah. I went to town when I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> so were, yeah. were you like working on the farm and stuff like when you were in oh, high yeah. school and, or even younger? I, one, I hated school. I was that kid who always did really bad in school, but I love school. Cause that means that uh, I had, I didn't have to work in the, on the farm anymore oh, during the yeah. summer. Yeah. Um, Cause it was pretty much wake up at 6am during the summer vacation and I was free labor. So, right. Yeah. For sure. What were your, what were your, what were your folks farming? Uh, mostly we were mostly vegetable farmers. So like, uh, we had acres and acres of tomatoes. It was yeah. like, it was a nightmare for a nine year old, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just see this rows of tomatoes that you knew you had to pick that morning that were just like, you couldn't even see the end of them. You're just like, Oh God, I'm uh, going to be here for a non detail oriented person. Literally uh, my worst yeah. nightmare is picking string beans. Yeah. Those rows of string beans. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are your folks I'm getting still a little triggered like right still... now. <laughs> uh, my <laughs> grandparents are. Yeah, my grandparents okay. still they're they're in their eighty or about to be close to eighty, and uh, they still do the farmers market every Saturday and Tuesday. They that's their main income. Wow, that's what they do. Yeah, that's commitment. I appreciate that. Like, there's that's a level of commitment to your craft, to your trade that uh, 
That's super admirable, I think. Yeah, yeah and it's weird too because it's not a, like they're the produce that they make and they sell it like a farmer's market is more of like a specialty item now, right? Like, cause yeah. none, of that, none of that stuff goes to the grocery stores. None mm-hmm. of that stuff mm-hmm. helps actually feed. I mean, they do feed people, people eat it, but again, it's more of like a, Oh, I went to the farmer's market and got this, these special homegrown tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but yeah, people aren't relying on them to eat. <laughs> we do it too. Yeah. We, we go to the farmer's market for that same very reason. Um, so, but your parents got out, I guess, of farming. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. My well, my parents split when I was ten, and then okay. so I was kind of man of the house. And me and my mom was a uh, a nurse, and she actually worked like three jobs growing up. But nurse did a mail route on Saturdays and waited tables any nights that she wasn't working. Yeah. Um, but we still helped. It was her parents that were the farmers. Gotcha. So that was the land that we lived on. So even all the way up until I could drive a car, I worked on the farm every summer. And then yeah. from there, I was like, no, no, I'm getting, I'm getting out of here. And I went on, <laughs> I moved way up in the world and I started, uh, I had a summer of building barbed wire fences for another farmer, but he was paying me like 15 bucks an hour Ooh, cash. Yeah. Uh, but that was, was also the hardest I ever worked in my life. This was like around, um, I don't know how old you are. Do you mind sharing how old you are? Oh God. What let me do math. I think I'm I will be thirty seven. So I'm thirty six. So I was okay. born in eighty two. Yeah, am I doing the math right? Yes. So we're we're both we're in the same. We're both like midlife crisis time. <laughs> Class of two thousand. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> was two thousand was two thousand one. So yeah, we're right in that same range. Yeah, my oh. parents started me started me early because it was free childcare. So uh, I, right, of course. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, your dad though, was not like when they, when your parents split, your dad wasn't really around or no, I didn't have the best dad. He's one of those like extremely selfish, self-centered people who Mm. it was always all about him still to this day, still all about him. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's living his life and doing his thing, but I don't really have a whole lot to do with him. Yeah. Mm. So, um, was, was religion a part of your upbringing? Did you grow up in a church or anything like that? We went on uh, Christmas and Easter like any good Christian would. Um, any good, uh, any good Tuscaloosan? Do you say Tuscaloosan? <laughs> uh, Tuscaloosian? Yeah, sure. Why not? Tuscaloosian? Yeah, we do. I, know. I imagine like Tuscaloosa, but maybe since it's a college town, maybe it's different. But I imagine it being like super religious. conservative. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's true? It is. Okay, it's super Baptist, super re- re- you know, super restrictive, super conservative, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Yeah, uh, whatever label you like. But yeah, no, we went a good bit as a kid. It was, it was for me, it was around, uh, after college, my mom got, she started actually dating like a, a new guy. Finally. Um, uh-huh. it, she took a big, long break from dating people cause raising kids is hard. Mm. And, um, Amen. And then she, got, <laughs> she got into church, which got me into church. So that's when I started going and I had a, I've always, again, been a seasons kind of guy. Like I float in and out of my faith. So, um, so yeah, we did a, I did a, a good stint there, got out of the church. Cause I, you know, I got burned out. The church does that to people pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What well, was uh, like the some, source of your initial burnout? Uh, I, w- I was actually going to a, the first time I had, you know, churching, you would call it was again, right around college time. Yeah. Um, I was going to church for all the wrong reasons. Like, cause I was drinking and partying and doing whatever and having quote unquote fun and I felt guilty about it. So I would go to church and then cry and feel guilty and then go up to the altar because I was a terrible person and then be like, you know, I'm just trying to get better. I'm trying to be a mm-hmm. better person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, eventually that little charade wears off if you're not actually getting some deeper teaching of the faith, right? Like, yeah, the guilt can only take you so far. Sure. And so that burned out and I quit and uh, got married, had a kid, and it was easy to be like, I'm just not worried about church right now because i'm busy raising this baby that never sleeps and hates us <laughs> and um, around six months when he finally did start sleeping and we were able to sleep you know a couple hours a night uh one of the things my me me and my wife she's she grew up in she did grow up in church her mom plays the piano at her church and has mm-hmm. played it for like 40 years like she was in church every sunday she was like hey james i i have to go to church like this isn't gonna work for me so you know she kind of drugged me in, and we started searching for a new church and we found uh, it was it was it was serendipitous it was fate whatever you want to call it but we had a door hanger one day that said uh, and this is odd for Tuscaloosa where there was a church plant starting in the local movie theater mm. yeah and we were like huh that sounds like crazy people let's go see what that's mm. about 
And uh, man, just the, the first time I heard Troy speaking, he was like, just boom, I was there. You know, he's like mm. speaking into my soul. Like uh-huh. there was a dude who was up here talking like openly about things that he had screwed up. You know, he was just real. And yeah. it wasn't, there was no facade. And, you know, that was one of the things that he was like, we don't have masks here. Like, don't come in here with your smiley face saying everything's all good. We mm. know it ain't all good. And then I was like, I found my people. There you <laughs> and, go, yeah. Uh, and so we we did it we did it we did that church plant for ah gosh man six seven years yeah uh, the church group you know to a pretty decent size to the point that it needed to get out of the movie theater and split off into two different locations and then wow. uh, as churches do man you get a bunch of people in there and it gets yeah. messy you know yeah. it gets messy and mm. so then the last couple of years that we were in Tuscaloosa you know we had we just kind of bounced around to different places. Uh, and then we've, we've been here in LA and finding a church in LA is, uh, whoo, it's different than <laughs> Alabama. It's a little different. And, and Man, we way, went like- to, well, just here's a perfect example. We went to a church that we thought we might be interested in for Easter Sunday and uh-huh. they had a, they had a hip hop song. Uh, and like hip hop pop song. So it was like, like as a worships, like yeah. people are trying to oh, sing, yeah. sing with it or whatever. Oh dude. No, it was like. These five ladies were insanely talented. Oh yeah, yeah. Chore- choreographed the dance with their song, and then a dude hopped in for like at the end and rapped part of the song. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was amazing. But for an Alabama boy, I was like, I am definitely in LA. You know? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you like? Yeah. Do you, or maybe it's some of both? Do you appreciate that, or does it feel mm-hmm. like um, love it? First, first of all, love it. No, no hate yeah. on it. Right. Love it. If, if you're passionate and you have a skill in something, there's no reason not to use it as a part of yeah, your faith. Yeah, right? sure. like, that's whatever. Uh, it was just, um, a, it was, it was a shock as far as like just the execution of a, yeah of a program. Right. But then for, for us, it's more the, the coldness that LA people approach other people with. Mm. It's not like the South where it's like, you're new here. Oh, sweet darling baby. Come mm. over for dinner. <laughs> Let's we'll cook you a dinner. We'll get you some friends. We're going to get this figured out for you. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. But yeah. People throw the arm around you and, and almost force you <laughs> in, mm. in the South. Whereas here people are like, Oh, that's neat that you're new here. Everyone is, this is yeah. LA. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. Then they go on to their life. So there, we haven't felt any sort of like real big welcoming essence yeah. at any church. That we've That's to. interesting, man. Like I, so I'm from Indiana originally and I moved out to Arizona when I was like 20 and now I live out here in Ventura in California. And there isn't a culture of like having people to your house for dinner. Like right. that, that to me is a normal thing, but we've found like much like what you're saying, there just isn't this culture of like i don't know having people in your homes we've lost it or something or maybe we I mean, never there's, had it. I don't there's know. something magical about breaking bread and having a meal with somebody yeah right? like for sure there's something that happens yeah. guards are let down that sort of thing i'd also be remiss if i didn't mention like essentially what is has really formed what is now my current worldview slash faith slash whatever you want to call it is we spent five years in a in a community called the brown house community in, in alabama Okay, and and it it's we it's next door to the housing projects in Northport, which is essentially Tuscaloosa, same thing, and um, it it was eleven houses. They sh- we shared a a, a the community still there. We're just not. They share a green space in the backyard, basketball court, soccer field, that sort of thing, walking track, and across the street is the housing project. And four days out of the week, they tutor the kids. One of the things that uh, the founders, Adam and Amy Pierce, found is that when when kids are in poverty they don't get the support at home that they need to do their homework. They become illiterate. And then that's like one of the leading causes of, of imprisonment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're like, well, that's easy. We can just tutor kids when they get off the bus because they roam the streets a lot of times anyway. So they can just, we'll just have them get off at our house and we'll do the tutoring and make sure they get their homework done. And, um, so they, they, they spruled that up like 15 years ago and maybe even longer than that. And, uh, so we spent five years in that community living that life and man that that will change your perspective quickly when you live life with a minority with a minority who is who is especially in the south where it's like you you're a drain on the system entitled you you know all these incorrect uh preconceived notions that come about people and uh it totally changed everything for me so oh that's um, interesting so so you would say like 
before you had this experience, you were kind of in that camp of like, of like viewing people in poverty as like, oh, you guys just aren't responsible. And well, no, I don't don't think I was quite there, but I definitely had, I definitely had some bad, uh, there was some bad information in my head, right? Because it's programmed, it's programmed into you. Mm -hmm. I definitely went in thinking, A, I'm going to go teach these people about Jesus. (laughs) B, uh, I'm going to help them, you know, ascend to whatever level they want to be at because all they've got to do is try. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And those, those are the two, you know, those two things. And then quickly I learned on a, they taught me way more about Jesus than I taught them. Yeah. Thankfully. And B sometimes circumstances, no matter how hard you try withhold you the privilege of getting the opportunity to, to actually succeed. Yeah. Um, and you don't like when people get into these Facebook war thread wars or whatever. And they're like white privilege, bar. You don't understand. Like that is a for real thing. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen people yeah. who want to get out of the projects. They are working their butts off. And when something sets them back, it's not the same as me. When I get set back, I go to my grandfather and I'm like, Hey, I need to borrow $1,500 to fix my car so I can go to work Right, and he'll give it to me. Right. Or I go to the bank and I get, or I get a credit card. Well, when you don't have a grandfather that has any resources or you don't have credit that allows you to get a credit card and you don't have any way to get that $1,500, you just lose your job and then you get behind on your bills and then you get kicked out or you get evicted. And so people are like, well, they should have found a way. Well, that's easy to say when you have easy access to resources to fix the problems that you have. Yeah. And you just don't, you don't, you can't really appreciate it until you've walked with folks. Mm. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that because like, for one, I think we live in a culture where um, like we all want to think that we're on the right side of every issue, Mm -hmm. Um, whatever it is that we have the right perspective on it. And we want other people to know that we're like right about this. And, um, and I think a lot of people even, well, let's for the benefit of the doubt, let's say they are right about it, but still they haven't like made an effort to actually, you know, like do life with people sure. and really get to know people who are struggling with poverty or whatever, or whatever issue. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think, I think we're, it's hard for us to admit when we're wrong in our culture today because well, I, of social media, I think, and, and yeah. some other things. Um, but just to hear you say, like, I had this experience and it really just changed my perspective and yeah. shape my faith. Like that's, that's yeah, for sure right there, I think. In this world. It, it's, and it's tough because, you know, I, I don't, I don't think the Christian, I don't, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so disillusioned with the church right now <laughs> is safe place. You say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> the Christian faith doesn't actually live out what the Christian faith should look like. Mm-hmm. The American Christian in general, and you know, obviously, we can all point out to someone who's that's the exception. But as a whole, we just don't live the way the Bible lays it out that we should, right? Like, yeah. we're, we're we're quick to attack. We're not slow to anger, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right? Like every proverb. Like if we go and read out the 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 Sermon on the Mount that Jesus did, we fail. That's a that is a F minus as far <laughs> yeah. as the faith's concerned, right? And so. I feel like, you know, we're one of the, the Christians are one of the biggest detriments to more people coming to the faith of Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. And I know it's one of the things that burns out most people with the church. So, and, and I, and I had it firsthand when I would, you know, go out to like, I have, I have actual real world examples. And I think kind of through what you were alluding to is Facebook allows people to sit on their pedestal and preach without actually getting out and doing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the Christian faith is a faith of doing within the yeah. world. Right. Like it right. is a doing, mm-hmm. you're supposed to practice the things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've have real world examples of, of like, I'll reach out and say, Hey, this, I, I have this mom and we always exclude names. We're not trying to turn people into, you know, projects and that sort of thing. But it's like, Hey, we have this mom who's trying really hard. I shouldn't even have to say, I shouldn't have to qualify her. Right. But mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. She's trying really hard and she needs help. She's behind on these bills. I'm, I'm trying to raise $500 to help make sure she doesn't get evicted and her kids can stay in the programs that we have here and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll have people who's like, uh, uh, well, you know, when you say she's trying, like, give me some examples. <laughs> oh gosh. And you're like, yeah. Hey man, I don't need your money. Thanks. Go yeah, away. Peace. Yeah. Um, we, we would have people that want to come over and have a popsicle party with the kids. Which is, which is, at first we were like, well, that's fine. That's great. 
we'll do anything to let you get plugged in. But mm-hmm. then quickly we figured out like those are really only self-serving things. Mm-hmm. They're not giving those kids anything long-term. You yeah. know, they're not, it, it's just a pop in to make themselves feel good. Yeah. Like, Hey, I did my Saturday work day. Yeah. Um, now I go back to living my life the same way it was. Yeah. Um, so we started. And that like, out that, yeah. Go ahead. And that like question of like, give me some examples of how this person's like trying is um like, kind of goes against the gospel, you know, like the gospel. <laughs> You're being this, nice. <laughs> You're being nice. Like the gospel is this promise of like that God loves us because he loves us. Like not because we've earned it or deserve it or whatever. Like, like, so whether, so, but we want to like couch whether we're going to give to somebody based on whether we think they deserve it. It's, yeah. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah, I won't. I, I don't hold punches, so it's disgusting, and it's not Christian, and it's not human either. That's the other thing. Like one of my favorite mentors, I would say, even though I've never met him, is Father Gregory Broil. 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 I never say his last name right because yeah, they just Father goes, B. in all his books. It's Father G for uh, uh or just G, mm-hmm. and he is actually local here to Los Angeles. So that was one of the reasons, like I was really excited to move here. I was hope I can find a way to meet with him one day. But he's, you know, he spent thirty five years in the in the wards here, and, and and he does gang rehabilitation, and um, he's lived his life. He's he does homeboy industries. If you guys, are, I, are yeah, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, I'm connecting the dots. And um, you know, some of his books, you just read them, and you're like, I would just be weeping because like the guy just gets it as far as like the way that he interacts with gang members that, uh, you know, society has totally just tossed and said, you know, these people are the worst of the people that we could have here. And uh, he just talks about how, you know, God just sees them. He loves them just the same and loves them maybe even more because they're so excluded and they're so driven away from the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I'll, I'll start preaching, man. I'll start going. You Come just on. Kind of watch out. <laughs> Come on. No, I like it. That's good. My church would have zero participants. So I have a, <laughs> no, you might be surprised. I have a, um, a question kind of just about growing up and being, I mean, it seemed very, you know, working on the farm and all that kind of stuff. Like when did you start getting nerdy? Like you obviously got into world of Warcraft. You said like, was video games a part of that or other board game stuff? And how did that, cause I know growing up in Indiana, which obviously isn't South, but there's still a lot of the same values and stuff. Uh, it was not okay for me to be uh, nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious what your experience was like with that stuff. No, I definitely hid. I nef- definitely heard, hid the nerddom. Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't cool to be a nerd back then, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. the Nintendo and the Sega and all that kind of stuff was mainstream. That was fine. But when I got, a, I think it was like around '95 when I got like one of those first like Windows '95 like home PCs. Back when that was like mm-hmm. cool, I finally got one. I saved my money and bought one and started playing some computer games. And that's when I played like the OG Warcraft, like the turn based. Yeah. Like yeah. you're you're doing the moving the stuff around and glug glug and harvesting <laughs> the wood. Aren't they remastering those? Work work. work. Yes, uh, the third one, Warcraft Three, the Frozen yeah. Throne. Yeah. Um, and so I did that and did Diablo two or Diablo one, Diablo two. And then that was one. Play, um, did you play any of those like on dial up? Do you remember? Yeah. Hell yeah. Cool. <laughs> it was the only option, my man. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah the only yeah. option. I remember um, having games with my buddies back then. And we would, uh, I don't think we even had like internet in our houses really, but you could just dial into each other. Like you yeah. could call one yeah. another and play that way. Yeah. And so like we'd tie up the phone line for Get like two or three line. hours. Yeah. Land parties, baby. Land parties. Yeah. 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 You know, I kind of miss that era because it feels like almost impossible nowadays. I mean, and, and part of it's because I'm a dad and I'm 36 and blah, blah, like whatever, have a busy job and life and stuff. But it feels like almost impossible to invite people over to your house to play video games. Like mm-hmm. if we're going to play video games with other people, it's only... It's only online. Well, and, and I mean, why would I come to your house? I can just do it from the comfort of my right. PJs and my, on my couch, yeah. right? They've exactly. the, the systems have facilitated that being easy for us. Yeah, one of the reasons why I love a board game, right? Like, yeah, that's that's true. That I guess, and that's probably a big part of the rise of board games is like people, like the, the growing popularity of it nowadays. Um, as I think, it's people want that analog experience of like with my friends in the same place, like doing something together. Because it's so hard to come by, I think. Well, even when I played Power Grid that first time, that was, I mean, obviously the agency, the choice, I enjoyed the mental 
uh, challenge that the game presented me, yeah. but it was a, it was a different feeling the way I connected with my friends than when we were raiding on Warcraft, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it felt totally different and it was a new dopamine that I enjoyed. And then we replicated it quite often. And then, <laughs> and then it's, yeah. you know, now, even now when I struggle in LA to get games in with a gaming group, because if people don't live within a couple miles of you, it's real hard to coordinate things mm-hmm. uh, here. And, but still, when I get to sit down and have that three or four hours of playing games, there's just not much that touches that like a board game delivers. I'm ready for Twilight Imperium whenever you are, man. Woo! <laughs> I said three or four. You, that's like <laughs> hey, six to eight. That's a, that's a big commitment. I'm ready. You tell me when. I'm in. I need to play it. I still haven't played that one. Chris will tell you that you can like play it in five hours. Purpose. Hey, man, I have, a, I have a group. Like We true. play somewhat regularly, actually, in like Culver City. And, okay. uh, I mean, if everybody knows what they're doing, you can easily finish in four or five hours. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not with a newbie though. Not with a noob. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> it's we'll interesting you when you, the way you described like playing board games with people though, because I think, um, there's this, there's this, uh, guy, Johan Heisinga, who was kind of one of the fathers of like game design, you might say, um, like a lot of his research into game, like how games have shaped human culture and stuff has been really mm-hmm. like formative for a lot of people. Anyway, he talks about game spaces being like this magic circle where they're like the set apart sphere. And he's not, it's, this is not like new age or anything. It's, he's just talking about how games are the set apart space with their own rules um, that apply and that are like, they're absolute. The rules in that space are absolute unless you're a, dirty cheater but um (laughs) but like they're not fun to play anymore yeah right if you play with people who cheat right but um but you know it just it just made me think about how like how special it it just connected the dots between what you're sharing and and that sort of idea that game is really special place where um i think we don't think of them that way like in our culture especially among christians like we think of them as really trivial or unnecessary parts of our lives but i think right that's a, I think that's a big mistake. And like, if you think of it that way, you're missing out on a lot. Um, not that we have to like, not that we have to actively be going, Oh, this is super special, but to cherish times when we get to like do something that's not productive, like in a work sense, but still has lots of meaning. Like that's a super, we need margin in our life. Like that is, that is necessary for us to function. And I think that's one of the big detriments of the, you know, our current society is that we fill up our day far too much and there's no mark. There's no margin. There's no time to reflect on your faith or, you know, or have any quiet time or, you know, just breathe for five minutes. We're always running, going, doing. And I mean, I don't know how many days I sit down. I'm like, man, it's eight 30. I got to (laughs) put Stella's going to bed. You know, like I go to bed around 1030 myself. I'm like, cool. The day is done. And I, what did I do today? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, you hit a point that was interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm filming a new show called starting role. That'll be coming out sometime this summer. And my first guest was Rodney Smith. And oh, one cool. of the things that he talked about specifically was, um, something, obviously there's a thing that's happening on the table, but then he, you know, he pulled his hand up and he's like, there's something that happens up here. And he's like, how many times in life, do four strangers sit down and agree empirically to a set of rules that they're going to abide by? He's like, it doesn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. Right. And so it was, it was interesting. I never heard anybody word it that way, you know? And uh, then you just brought it back up and I was like, okay, this is a recurring theme here. That that it is. That is that sacred space. I mean, it feels the word sacred to me feels right because it's so uncommon and seemingly impossible nowadays to like have common ground, you know? And I think that's what draws me to gaming and just nerd culture in general is like, it's so cross cultural and Mm -hmm. crosses every divide that we have and joins us together in this common purpose of, you know, saving the world or (laughs) running power plants or whatever other weird games we play, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think too, it's like just the, just, you know, in our sort of like super divided culture and also in our increasingly like, it's weird because we're very private people that don't, like we don't interact with other people in person very often, but at the same time, we're like super social online, um, you know, that I think uh, 
it's so easy to like other people because of that. You know what I mean? Like to sort of treat them or to think of them as not fitting within your whatever politics or religion or whatever you want to fill in the blank with or, or view of the world. Right. Um, Right. But board games and I mean, heck mountain biking, like give you these opportunities. Like I've been started. I finally found some guys to go mountain biking with. And, um, like I haven't had any deep conversations with these guys yet about like, you know, religion or politics or anything, but I know that I like them (laughs) because We've, what a great place to start. Because we've we've shared an experience in the woods riding bikes, right? Um, and like they've like to give you an example, um, one I I crashed my bike, and one of the guys in this group was just like, uh, "Hey, you can borrow this extra bike that I have until yours gets fixed," um, which is like so generous. And I broke his bike. <laughs> wow, Drew. <laughs> So yeah, going back, I, I'm not sure you will make a career out of mountain biking. Drew wants to borrow one of your games. Uh, <laughs> you know, man, uh, yeah. Well, this is this is how quality of a guy this guy is. So I told I I called him and told him like, dude, I broke your bike. I'm really sorry. I just broke the brakes. Like it needed to be fixed. And I was like, I took it to the shop. I'm going to pay for the repair. But I just wanted to own up and let you know that happened. And he was like, oh, it's really cool, man. And he was like, I'll pay for it. I was like, no, I insist. I'll pay for it. So that was the end of that conversation. Well, I go to pick up his bike from the shop because he lives on the other side of town. And um, and when when I go to the shop to pick up his bike so I can eventually like give it back to him next time we meet up to ride or whatever, um, they're like, oh, he called and paid for it over the phone. <laughs> Son of a and, gun. Like, and he, and so I texted him, I was like, dude, you're a saint. That was so nice of you. You didn't have to do that. And he was like, I know your, your bike's broken. And like, it's going to be a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a burden on you. And I just, I just wanted to do something nice for you. Um, and, uh, like, like that's the sort of thing that's just, so like, and I all, I have a point at all this. And the point is, is that like, it could come out that his politics are like way different than mine or that, you know, he has some view that I might find had I not had these experience with him, experiences with him, I would have found offensive or something. I doubt that's going to happen. He seems like a super great guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, is just that time together and like those, you know, like we just need to find ways to like hang out with each other and be with yeah. each other. And and then we won't have these messed up assumptions that keep us from like othering each other and treating us as as treating each other as if we don't have worth and value. Um, and I think board games in particular really provide a special opportunity for, for similar types of experiences, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Th- there's, there's something about that, that you're, you're right. But humans in general, we have more in common than we're willing to admit most of the time. And that's one of the things that's very unsettling for our current state of politics in this country, right? That the, the system has driven both of the, the, you know, the prevailing parties to so opposite ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. so that it, it feels like we don't have anything in common. And I, I can't remember. It was, um, what's the actor's name who plays uh, Lebowski, Jeff, um, Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges. Thank you. He was on MSNBC this week in, or last week or whenever it was. And he, he, he railed and he was, it was great. It was like a plea of like, come back to the middle in the middle is where we win these extreme ends for both parties is just going to kill us. It's going to be the end of democracy. Yeah. The middle is where we win. Um, and you know, he, he'd done it more, uh, succinctly, succinctly than I just did, but uh, he, uh, it, it was, it was nice to hear someone finally like not get on a quote unquote liberal channel and then just go up and down, whatever. So yeah, it's, it's, we have more in common. The, you, you know what you might, he might be the polar opposite of you. That doesn't mean anything different, right? You almost need that to yeah. have that, that base chain to go, well, I still know he's a good dude, you know, even though yeah. we see things differently in this one aspect of life. Yeah, exactly. It gives yeah, yeah. you some, it gives you ways to temper your overreactions about things. Like I, it's funny. I have these relationships with people on Facebook. A lot of what we do with LTN, like it's all online and we have all these online relationships and there's people that I know that on Facebook, I really don't like them <laughs> because just the way they come off or the way they communicate, the way they interact with people. I'm like, gosh, you just, you really seem like a dick. And then I've met them in person 
and it is completely different. Like it, it is so bizarre to me that like, man, in real life, you are so loving and kind and tender and thoughtful and, you know, all these really redeeming qualities, I think. And even to the point where I've thought about like, man, should I talk to them and say like, hey, I don't know if you know, this is how you come across, you know, in this digital space. But it's just, it's such a weird, weird thing. These, these online personas and, you know, we just make people faceless and it's much easier to hate people that don't have faces, you know? We were talking about it before, I think before you got on the show, before we started recording and before you were on Chris, but. Uh, James was talking about how they like you notice immediately notice a difference when you started limiting the amount of time that your your son plays uh, Fortnite. <laughs> sure, absolutely, oh, and, wa- and watches YouTube videos about it. I, I, yeah. I think I'd actually let him play more as opposed to watching these other people that are doing these outlandish things to get views uh, and make people pay attention to their channel. Mm. Mm-hmm. What kind of difference? Like, what was the what was the change? Uh, he was he was rem- remarkably more um, violent. He was more short, full of angst. Hmm. Um, was was quick with his sister. Uh, he's he's ten. His sister's five. Um, you know, was just raging against. Him. I'm like, hey man, all right, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. Because I mean, his 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 number one imperative every day before he walks out the door that I tell him is to be kind and to find some, find, find the lonely people, you know, find the people that yeah. you're, that, mm-hmm. that don't have friends and be a friend to them. Well, that's cool. And, and then I'm like, cool. Now go make sure you do your homework, you little jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, that's some of the things. So when, you know, and it's easy for me to pull back to that and go, Hey man, you're not acting very kind. Are you? And he's like, Nope, I'm not. So even he could recognize that he had this angst and he didn't know what to do with it. He's just repeating what he saw, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, we were, and I was sort of relating that to what we are like, I think, because I think a lot of us, we look at kids like that or our own kids, especially, or any kid <laughs> that's playing Fortnite and we go like, oh gosh, what a, what a twerp or what, you know, um, <laughs> oh, for sure. twerp, that's not the word but, that comes to my mind, but yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, and we're like, ah, oh, so we can see the excesses of, of how like media or whatever is affecting other people, but we're all the same way with our phones and things. And we just don't realize that, you know, uh, at least I think I am. Like if you took my phone away for a day, I think I'd be, would you throw person. a tantrum? Uh, no, I think it would probably be good for me. You know, I think I'd probably learn a lot about myself. It's probably something I should do. Cause it wouldn't be that. It is. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Uh, it was probably been a couple years ago now where I did one full day. Like, I don't remember if Ashley took it. My wife took it away from me or, I mean, it wasn't like she woke up and said, hey, you can't have your phone. Like I consciously said, hey, I just yeah. need a day to not deal with this thing. And it was mm-hmm. so glorious. <laughs> and it's only yeah. taken me two years to try to do it again. Hmm. Yeah, I have gone on like long hikes and stuff where I didn't have my phone with me. And that's really nice. So I think I would enjoy it overall. But it would feel weird. I know. My wife uh, has this love-hate relationship with it where she – will go through, um, like she decided she wanted a dumb phone. Um, mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna get in trouble for sharing the story, but, um, <laughs> well, we can so, edit it out. So like we go, we go to T-Mobile and we're like, can, can I, you know, can I buy a dumb phone? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was funny. Cause he was like, so what they do have this phone that's, it's not actually technically dumb. Like you can still access the internet, but it, the browser on is so terrible. You wouldn't want to access the internet (laughs) with it. And so it was like a flip phone. So she got that. And the guy was like, tried to warn her. Like, he was like, look, you can bring this back. You know, (laughs) know, you're really not going to want this. You can bring this back. I'm pretty sure you're going to regret this kind of, he didn't say that exactly, but he kind of did. And uh, after she bought that phone, it was like um, literally the next day she was like, calling me and she was like i know you're gonna make fun of me but <laughs> i hate this phone <laughs> yep no uh, so yeah we're all addicted i, I mean it's me too like i'd be the same way i'm i'm sort of giving her a hard time but do you have any kind of uh james do you have any kind of like unplugging ritual because you're i imagine you're super connected like online mm-hmm. and stuff just seeing how active you are like do you have any kind of 
best practices or anything like that? No, I'm not the guy <laughs> preach on this. Uh, I yeah. mean, board games really are one of the ways that I, 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 I disconnect and, and I yeah. do play, uh, I try to play, you know, four or five times a week with my kids, um, uh-huh. and my wife, because that's just a great way for us to connect. But no, I'm, I'm more of a, let me, uh, which we've really started enjoying. Like I go down to Santa Monica because it's, it's the closest and just yeah. sit on the beach, like just put my phone down and sit on the beach wherever you can. Right. Like just put your phone down. Yep. <laughs> that's, sure. that's, that's step one. Uh, you know, I had a, had a stint in my life where I did a bunch of yoga. I had a, had a buddy who was a big into yoga and we'd oh, meet nice. every morning. We'd have, we'd have morning coffee and prayer. And then we would do like th- a 30 minute yoga session. And that was how we started our day. I did that for like six months and it was amazing. Um, <laughs> But then, you know, just like the seasons of life that you yeah. know, reasons it, it goes away. I wish I was better at being able to say that thing. I need to keep and keep that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, we're kind of running out of time here, but um, yeah. Any, any, any projects you've got coming up that, uh, that you would want to make sure our listeners know about? Oh gosh. Uh, the biggest, I mean, we've got, I got so many things on in the, in the slate. We've got 23 projects for the next two years. Okay. So it's almost a uh, <laughs> the, the newest thing coming out is the grim masquerade it's it's a it's a party game follow-up uh like yeah, strategic you, showed a, you showed us that i think yeah. pack south yeah, pack south that's right yeah um so we're proud of that one we've got a walking dead card game that's going to be fun and entry level for um just yeah, hang out with uh, lizzie about that at pack south yeah yeah yeah. yeah uh we've got sorcerer city coming out uh probably at gen con that is a uh it's a cool a uh, tile laying. So think Carcassonne meets Dominion. So it's, it's tile laying and deck building in one game. It's kind of a new, uh-huh. a new genre of game, uh, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to sign it. Cause it was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got title blades. that will be hitting this fall. And then we've got a new uh, Kickstarter that will hit uh, called Wonderland's war, which is, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away by this game. Freaking it might, Manny, it, dude. Manny's amazing. And this might be my favorite game mechanic that we've, that we've made to date. Ooh, uh, that's cool. It's just, it's, it's amazing. So yeah. Manny Tremblay's who we were talking about. Um, yeah. Who came on this podcast like a couple months ago, maybe months yeah. ago, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know why he's not famous. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> like his I mean, artwork is amazing. How is, how is he so not good. stupid yeah. famous? I don't get it. I know. I mean, he's like super famous in their rabid, uh, dice throne community, yeah. but for I, sure. it's just a matter of, I guess so. The dude's did. like you know driving nice new cars and big houses and stuff. <laughs> like, why is he not getting paid for this gorgeous yeah. stuff? And it's, I guess it's because he did what we did and chose board games as his way. That's to yeah, that. probably part of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's a lot of people who like he's the kind of guy he's just going to do what he's passionate about. So for sure, for um, sure. Oh, for sure. I love working with him too. He's great. Yeah. Uh, the the one thing is totally like it's a it's a one eighty uh, for when we're trying to close the show out. But uh, I did want to share like my, and this sounds very Southern of me. I want to share my favorite verse and why it's Ooh, my favorite yeah. verse. Yeah. Please do. Um, Come on. It's, it's, it's Mark nine twenty four. It's where the father, uh, the father of the boy that was possessed brings the boy to Jesus. And he's essentially, here's the synopsis. Hey bro, can you heal? He's possessed. Can you heal him? And Jesus is like, can I? And then the father's like, yo, I believe help me overcome my unbelief. That is like my, like I need to get that <laughs> on my forehead. Is, is yeah. that I was believe, the James Hudson translation, by the way? It I like is. That. It was. I, I that was yeah the James Hudson J H T. You got the idea. Um, but like you know, that's the thing I struggle with. I believe, but I've got so much unbelief, mm-hmm. and and it, and it gets funneled into lots of different avenues, right? Like yeah, the church. I'm disillusioned with the church, and you know, I understand at the core that's not what I'm supposed to be focused on, but it's impossible not to be focused on it. And I'm very science minded, so then I just. 100%, you know, go, uh, you know, is this even a thing? Do we make this up just to make yeah. us feel better about dying? Like I struggle with all those things all the time. Yeah. yeah. And this, that verse for me is like my anchor. It's like, cool. Jesus still is like, yeah, bro. It's, it's all good. Like it's, it's good. I, I, I got you. Yeah. Uh, I resonate me, with that, man. You're, you're not alone in that. Well, I think everybody does. I just think they're liars. Um, <laughs> they, they, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. I think everybody wants to put that mask on that they're super faithful or that mm-hmm. they don't have those concerns or those doubts. And yeah. I, I think that's just being dishonest to, to what it is to say that you even follow a faith. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. So, amen. I love that. It's good. It's a good note to end on. Well, thanks so much, James, for coming on, man. This was uh, appreciate you. I mean, we've gotten to chat several times at conventions and stuff, but it was cool to like kind of get it get a bit deeper and like hear your story and um, yeah, hear how you are you believe, but you also don't, and you're honest about it, and that's. I really like that. That's really, uh, that's a breath of fresh air. So I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I, I've, uh, I hope eventually it all works out. And you just uh, let you us know. know when you figure it out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that way we can sure. do the same. We'll, yeah. we'll just, we'll come back and be like, I got it now. You guys yeah, ready? Here we just go. Give us the answer. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. The, the more, the more I learn, the more I figure out, I'm not even asking the right questions. Yeah. yeah. So where can people find you online? What's the best place to like look up your work? You can look up pretty much anything Druid City Games, and you'll probably find my at handle on Twitter, or uh, I do a James Matthew Hudson on Instagram. I do a bunch of stuff on the IG now. So whatever, Facebook, I'm in the, the board game spotlight group pretty much 24-7. Yeah. So any of those three modes that you like, you can do those. And then uh, I've got new shows that are coming to Twitch and YouTube uh, over the summer. So look out for those things. Nice. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, and uh, I'll uh, I'll piggyback off of you and and uh, give a shout out to Board Game Spotlight. Um, that's a really great Facebook group because I think like um, like all nerds, board gamers can be a little snooty sometimes. They get salty. Uh, yeah, and can be like bit. it can be this group where you feel like oh, I don't really fit in here because they're way more into this than I am or something or whatever. However, whatever insecurity we we project. But that's a cool group because I feel like um, it feels welcoming. It doesn't feel like elitist. We're the care uh, I mean, it can get every, every nerd group can get a little bit elitist, like let's be honest. But it feels different to me than a lot of yeah. like online board gaming groups. And I really I really enjoy like participating in it when I get a chance to. It's, so, the, it's, the, it's at the core of what we wanted to do with that group, right? Like We saw that elitism, that gatekeeping that happens in the other mm-hmm. groups and like just mm-hmm. these, the flame wars. And we're like, yeah, that's not like, that's not what board games are about. Like, I don't even know yeah. why that's happening. Cause you don't even see that at a convention, right? Like that doesn't happen. So right. the online, whatever, like we talked about in this episode really is facilitating this. So how do we structure our group? So that it's not like that. It keeps us small, you know, out of, uh, all the other groups where we're like maybe fourth or fifth biggest and we'll probably won't ever grow to their size because there are some people who just want to be shitty and they're yeah. not going to stop. <laughs> you know, if you're, they look at you as just censoring them because yeah. you want them to be positive. And I'm like, right. oh, yeah. go over to that corner over there and be shitty with the, with those people. That's yeah. fine. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. plenty of uh, places online. You can go and be like that. Um, yep. There's Reddit. There's, Oh God, Reddit! Go to Reddit. Reddit yeah, is the best pool. Oh, <laughs> YouTube I mean, comments and Reddit. Yeah. I mean Twitter sometimes too. A lot yeah. of times. Uh, Anytime but, there's anonymity uh, behind the name, like that Reddit and, and YouTube comments, that really fires people up to be like, I can say whatever I want. Yeah, yep. I so. can spew hatred all I want here. But uh, anyway, this is a great talking to you, James. I uh, definitely encourage people to go check out your work and check out everything that Druid City and Skybound is, is working on. There's some really exciting projects coming up. Uh, I'm, I'm personally very excited about Wonderland War and, and um, uh, Tidal Blades. So definitely keep an eye out for those games. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want, druidixon 82 I am on Instagram as well. Same handle. Uh, I just started. I'm like way late to the Instagram party, but I just got on like a few months ago. So just part um, of your midlife crisis. Yeah, it is part of it. That's right. Not only am Wait, I is that like, what the kids are using now. That's oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. What's yep. this Snapchat thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do like it because it's like it feels like Facebook minus. It's like all the things on that I would want to see on Facebook. Like I like seeing pictures of my friends and the stuff they're up to and their like their kids, their vacation yeah. with their family or whatever. Like that's enjoyable. Like to see, oh, they're having fun at Disney. Like, oh, that that looks cool. But it's none of the political garbage, you know? Right. So, yeah. I had my first experience with downloading something that I didn't get. So I'm now I'm starting to get old. The TikTok thing. I don't know if you guys have seen TikTok. I downloaded no. that, made myself an account. I was like, this is what all the kids are talking about. This is what they're doing. And then I was like, I was on there for five minutes. And I was like, this is dumb. (laughs) I I don't know what it is. I don't think I want to know. I think I'd probably just stay like 
ignorant of it. That'd be good. I did get Marco Polo. That's fun. Yeah, I, I use Marco Polo a good bit, especially when I'm at conventions to communicate with the family because it's so hard to FaceTime oh, yeah. in, in the now, but you can do the messages back and forth. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it is great. Uh, Chris is on Facebook. You can follow him on, or friend him on Facebook. He'll accept your friend request. Uh, search for <laughs> Love Night Nerd on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and like us or follow us on all those places. Also, we have a community called Love Thy Nerd Community. Just search for Love Thy Nerd Community on Facebook and ask to join it once we are sure that you're not a robot. We'll let you in. It's a really great place. We have a whole podcast network. So this is one of three podcasts that Love Thy Nerd produces. So go check out uh, Free Play, which is kind of a general nerd culture show that's super fun. Uh, the guys the guys and gal that lead that show are just a blast to listen to. So go check them out. Um, and then we also have uh, The Pull List, which is our comic book podcast. Comic um, books! Go read some comic books. That's right. Um, they probably talk about some Skybound comics every now and then, I would imagine. Oh, they do. So, yeah, uh, they do. Uh, I've heard them talk about The Walking Dead before. So... Uh, there you They're going to be talking about it now. There's the, the hook in the storyline right now is insane. <laughs> um, and then I feel like you're last, biased. <laughs> last two yeah, things. We have two, fa- two Facebook live shows that you should check out. So go check out Beard Bros on Fridays, Friday afternoons, evenings. Oh. Uh, it is a great uh, board game. Most board games, almost all board games uh, that they review on there. And so definitely go check that out. And then also we have co-optional now where uh, Matt, one of the two Beard Bros, will play one of the games that they reviewed on Beard Bros with his wife. And then they give away a copy of that game. So go check that out and you could win a copy. Like, that's pretty cool. Who give, gives away a board? I mean, besides, don't say board game spotlight because we already know you guys give away <laughs> yeah. a board game. But uh, it's pretty cool. Not many people Imitation give away. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, uh, thanks again, James. This was awesome. Yeah, it was great. I really appreciate you guys having me. And uh, namaste, y'all. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers.